Welcome to the Airflow Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Thomas, and this is the place where Kingdom heirs go to be informed and inspired. So sit back, relax, and flow with me. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Airflow Podcast. I'm your host, Ricky Thomas, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming to the show Pastor Alvin Love III, lead pastor of Nashville Life Church. Pastor Alvin, thank you for joining me this morning, sir. Definitely appreciate your time. Oh, thanks for having me, Ricky. It's, it's an honor. Uh, it's definitely an honor. It's mine. So I, I want to I talk through a few stages here um obviously kind of your upbringing and kind of what got you into ministry and then from there you know just talk about you know your role and and what your assignment has been like as the lead pastor of Nashville Life so um mm. you know I like to start from the from the beginning just so people can people who may not know who you are and understand your journey just kind of get to know you as as you know you've come up through this thing because I think it's very important for people to understand that you know, everybody comes from different walks of life, but when they come to Jesus, they, it, it's a transformation and, and it switches them and they they start doing things and seeing things differently. But knowing where they came from is always a good thing. So I want to. Yeah. Yeah. I want to I want to kind of get into that. But, you know, just starting off, you know, growing up in, in the family structure, you know, your mom and dad, you know, founding pastors of Natural Life Church, you know, your dad is has, you know, done a lot of things from a corporate American standpoint and then kind of switched over, you know, being in heavily involved in ministry. And then obviously your mom, um, you know, for those that don't know is, is CC wine. And so legendary gospel singer, and I just say legendary singer in general, not just gospel, but just overall, just, you know, her and, and the wine and family. So having them as your, as your foundation from a, from a parental structure. And then, you know, obviously, your sister Ashley Phillips, um, who's just as crazy as can be, but you know, I, I love her so much. Um, you know, having that that strong family structure and you know, in your formative years, how important has that been to to kind of shape how you are as a pastor today? Oh man, okay. Yeah, they, my family have been, yeah, definitely probably my number one influence when it comes to who I am and how I think and uh, how I do relationships, I think if I can pick one thing in regards to shaping who I am as a pastor, uh, having my parents and my sister and really my family in general, including you, um, I'm just really grateful. I think pastoring, you meet, like you said, people with a lot, from a lot of different walks of life and a lot of different backgrounds. And uh, to be honest, I, I, I'm sad to say this, but simply even having parents who who are together and who are yeah. married, growing up with a mom and a dad, um, that's something that I was guilty of thinking that kind of everybody had. And as I pastor and meet different people who come through the doors, uh, just simply having that strong family unit, uh, mom and dad, both in the home and uh, having a family that communicated, uh, that that knew how to 
handle conflict and get past conflict and get loud and get upset with each other. But then by the end of the night, laughing with each other and watching movies, like that was just my life. And uh, pastoring people now who've never, you know, I've, I've got people who've, who've never had a healthy conflict. They've, they run away when there's an issue. They, they, they think that if someone's upset with them, that means that they're rejecting them forever. Like, and just these, I never would have ever considered. I'm like, you really think like that. And I just realized, man, a lot has to do with how you were raised. And uh, the closest of my family and our ability to, you know, dog each other and laugh at each other, but support each other and just all those dynamics. I've really grown to appreciate more in these last, you know, 10 years or so. Uh, than I ever did growing up. So I'm really grateful for my family and that that upbringing. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, you know, the, the fact of having both parents in the home and in the loving family. And, and you know, it's it's an almost an oddity nowadays. And, you know, growing yeah. up. Yeah. Growing up, you feel like in a way you kind of feel embarrassed to tell people you've got a great family structure because it's like, you know, you might get ridiculed for that. Like, oh, you got a good family. Yeah. You know, my dad, you know, he's, he's from, he's from way back, you know, I think he's, uh, he's 73. And he said that growing up, if it was kind of a big deal, if your parents weren't together, it was right. like, together. he said, now it's a big deal if they are, it's like, yo, their parents are still. And like, he, it's just amazing hearing him who's lived as long as he's lived to see uh, this unfortunate trend um, and shift in culture. Uh, so I say that to say I'm someone who is very grateful. Of course, we, like you said, Jesus changes everything. We have tons of stories within our ministry, and just even in my life, of people from broken families and 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 single family homes that that because of Jesus they were able to totally just keep moving. forward or without missing a beat and the lord you know knows how to restore situations uh he makes beauty out of ashes so we definitely know that that's not that's not the end all be all god knows how to heal at the same time uh it is a privilege when that's that's not a hurdle that you have to really uh i don't know get past or at least not of all the hurdles that because i've got plenty of hurdles but that's one I'm grateful that uh, I can say that I was just blessed with, um, and that is that example in my parents and the the rich family uh, relationships that that I have. Yeah, and, and and just knowing, you know, obviously on your your dad's side, and you know me being a part of that family, and then knowing how close that side of family is, and even when we're not around each other, but when we come around, it's almost like. You know, nothing's changed, but some years have passed. We we got a little older, some a little bigger, a little more gray hairs, but you know, the, the love is still there. And I know you've had that on both sides. So I'm sure that has helped to to really mold your your mindset around building strong families. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can definitely tell you that there are attributes on both my dad's side uh and my mom's side that have been major assets and and balancers to the other side as well 
Right. (laughs) You know, both sides have, you know, like all of us, there's, there's strengths and there's weaknesses and there's pros and cons and life has a way of just balancing, you know, things out. If you, if you're, if you're keen to, to notice, uh, to notice how to do that. So yeah, I, I'm grateful both for, for the loves and the whinings. I think the, one of the big best things I got out of the love side is just that, that name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, that's, that's still something that I'm, I'm proud of. And uh, yeah, amongst other, other things. Yeah, it's definitely a cool name to have, especially as a pastor who's focused on talking about, you know, Jesus's love for you. And you're like, I'm past love. So it just kind of it kind of flows together in a way. Uh, so it, it is cool. It's true. For those who don't uh, know, uh, my grandfather and your grandmother are siblings, correct? That's or, correct. Or, that's correct. And, and so that's one thing about the female that yeah they get married off and get a different name but my me being uh from 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 granddad alvin i i, I the love the love stayed on my side <laughs> right yeah you definitely got it but hey you know we're it's all in the family it's in the gene so we're, that's we're, right we're all it's all, uh, yes sir so uh, now, one of the things about you, and, and I recognize that even at a young age, is that you had a great love for the arts, you know, acting, singing and dancing. I remember the plays you used to do at TPAC, oh, dance absolutely. recitals or in competitions and, you know, yep. trying out for star search and all that kind of stuff back in oh. the day. Um, you know, and obviously being around the entertainment industry with, you know, around your mom and uncles and, and just family and that I'm sure that had I played a big part in the oh, yeah. music side of things. But what else kind of sparked your passion for the arts when you were younger? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the I think I think the obvious answer is is my my my, my family. But but honestly, at least as it pertains to my mom, like she'll all she's always said and will say to this day that she's never loved the arts to the degree that 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 I did. Um, and maybe even Ashley, for that matter, my mom is a, a rare case of someone who's talented uh, and she's good at what she does. But if you ask her, it's never really been a uh, a passion for her has just been something that she saw as a calling and something yeah. that she gifted in. But, but my mom's really never had a, a hunger for um, the world that, that, that she's found herself in. Um, whereas me, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. I was, <laughs> every, you know, when it came to music, when it came to movies, when it, like you said, dance, anything, I was drawing all the time. I just got bit by 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 the arts bug, and I, I really, especially look maybe my my mom's uh, brothers. Maybe there's some people I know. There's a lot more uh, kind of specific passion when it comes to to music and arts. But my immediate parents, dad and mom, I was kind of an oddball. Um, <laughs> no, those two weren't really um that way um, yeah i know your dad was into sports and stuff like all, that and all day every day and mom was you know just raising us and working and reading the bible 
<laughs> yeah, but she was she she she's very competitive as well. I think the whole family is competitive. But yeah, when it came down to whether it was playing Uno or whatever game that oh, was yeah. out there bowling, it was like a different side would come out. All that love and stuff was. She would beat up on you and then pray for you afterwards and patch you up. <laughs> one thing they don't know about is her and then even my grandma, they both get these reputations for being, you know, so sweet and mild, but put them in a game and you see a difference. <laughs> hey, you can't grow up in Detroit, especially your mom with all those brothers and, and not compete in some way, shape or form. So it's true. That's true. So, yeah, as far as where I got it, man. Um, I'm sure there's some elements around um, the family, but I think I was just a sponge and, you know, we watched a good amount of TV and movies and I was just that kid that that um, I didn't really consume entertainment the same way that others did where I was just kind of watching it, enjoying it. I was thinking how that and how did he do that and why can't I do that? And I wonder what made them pick that note instead of that note. Right. And as a little kid, I was always analyzing uh, the content that I, whether it was a record that I was listening to or a movie I was watching or a play I was seeing. Um, my mind always went to behind the scenes, what it took to put that on and how could I be a part of that? And, and I don't know where I got that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a gift. And I noticed that even the times that we were do like the little in-house productions of of yep. our little plays that you were like so serious, like you couldn't mess up and you had to do the was, lines right. Uh, and I apologize. Like, oh, no, it was cool. I mean, that added to the, the funness of it because me and Ashley would always exploit that and like, hey, we're going to make we're going to make Alvin mad. We're going to do something different. And then you were like freak out like, OK, I'm not doing it anymore. You guys are not yep. working. You're not being professional. Yep. I'm like, dude, you're not for <laughs> That was my word. Cooperate. Yeah. But, it but was, yeah, man. It was fun, I was though. always and, and um I still got a lot of that. You know, I I'm I'm kind of using that part in, in different ways, but um but that that part is still very much um yeah, who I am. Okay. Um, you know, now I know obviously very busy you know pastoring a growing congregation like nashville life but i mean at this point do you still make time to to work on any of the arts you know i, I know you do some stuff with nashville life music but you know do you look into any other things with from the art side or is it just mostly around specific nashville life stuff honestly yes the past few years my primary Really, my yeah, my main outlet that I have with the current plate that that I'm working with is is uh, a little bit of music via our our music team at church, uh, Nashville Life Music. Our church, um, a lot of churches do it, but our church we we write out a good amount of our songs, and um, after doing it so long, it started to catch attention, and people were wanting to listen to those songs at home but they weren't recorded we were just doing them at church so people mm. were doing like bootleg voice and <laughs> voice and recordings and after a while we were like man it's probably time to to record these if nothing else just for our church for yeah. our congregation that was like man i was looking that song up for two hours i couldn't find it i'm like because it's not out so so we finally did it, and um, that's cool because I, I was really – I've been pretty uh, tunnel vision when it comes to 
uh, our church, Nashville Life, and really working around the clock on that. So I've I kind of accepted that at least for the time being that music uh, wouldn't be um, a priority. Obviously, I'm still a musician. I love I love music. I I, I I still frequently come up with, you know, little melodies and start ideas. But as far as dedicating uh, regular t- time to it, I pretty much accepted that that couldn't happen. Right. Um, so I was grateful when I saw that uh, Nashville Live music kind of um, that door opened and I got to still, you know, exercise a part of of that that part of my life um, through through Nashville Life music. Um, as far as the other arts, man, not really. Um, definitely not. The dance stuff stopped pretty, <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty much after high school. And then I think I was I studied music at Belmont, and I uh, I did a few showcases, and there were like competitions. So I did pull from that part of my life and called some of my my guy friends that uh used to dance with me back in the day and you know i i'd bring those shoes out a couple times in college but as far as but those are like maybe three or four times in four years so that that really is a lost thing i still feel like i have an eye for it i still can recognize you know if stuff is good or not like I, you know I, I, that's still a part of my life but right. I don't I don't do it at all. And then um I'm really into movies, man. Like I feel like that's something I, I wrote a screenplay for fun during the quarantine uh during that lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I'm I would love to maybe venture into that uh that format uh with film and uh maybe maybe screenwriting and things like that uh that's that's something that might might come around but right now it's just music really that's the main thing everything else is kind of uh hibernating if you will yeah i mean i can i can definitely see the the screenplay and and coming up with movies and stuff like that just like i said from from back in the day i remember your dad bought you the director's chair you had the megaphone you were like all in that you know so seeds were planted a long time ago uh Man. for that so right you're right i forgot about that yeah so, so yeah, I, I like i like to think of myself as still you know pretty young so i think there's time for a few few things to to come around again so you know we'll see okay so i know in terms of you know getting back to some of the music stuff and you know writing and you actually had your own project back in the day the strawberry project uh which i remember that so you've actually You've actually put out some a little bit of work there from the music side, but you've also worked in and you've got a couple of Grammys writing and producing for your mom. So how how cool has that been? Man, I, yeah. Uh I yeah, I can't believe it. It's it's uh especially, I mean, I don't know, yeah, like you said, I, I came out of Belmont wanting to be an artist, wanting to be a producer. I was doing a lot of performing. Um I put out yeah an EP and started touring that. I was fortunate enough uh, somehow. I think through my cousin, you know, Joy. Mm. Uh, she was hanging out with some people, and PJ Morton was around 
they were all hanging out and she had my my EP on in her car and PJ asked who that was and she was like that's my cousin so he reached out and I became uh I guess music friends with him and got to open up for him on the road oh wow uh, okay and uh started getting some shows and things were really kind of picking up this was around 2010 or 11 and then uh the other big part of my life which obviously we know how the story ends now i'm a pastor but the the workings and the beginnings of what's now our church started right around the time that i started picking up as uh as a artist as a you know a performing touring artist and uh man i couldn't believe that that it was happening because i was work i worked so long um to get to that point where that traction was coming and then man right when it was really taking off uh i guess you know you can say my heart was just totally stolen and arrested for 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 jesus and particularly what he was doing through me and my friends and the ministry and ricky like it went music went from being like my number one goal and vision to something that i really could couldn't care less about at least at the time because i was so consumed and excited and passionate and focused on what what god was doing in me and and my friends so i i i I stopped taking shows um i stopped promoting the music um a lot of people thought i was crazy and uh yeah it's it's it was just something that no longer was my 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 priority once once things started happening in in my personal life with me and my friends and their friends and the house meetings and then what's now our church. So I say that because music was something that I told you that I just kind of pushed to the side and in the midst of all the ministry and the beginning of beginnings of our church, uh, my my mother says she wants to go back in the studio. And at this this point she had been out of the studio um, for, I think she hadn't, she hadn't done an album in eight or nine years, something crazy like that, like a new record. And, uh, I immediately had an idea for her and started working on that. And once that came out a few years later, yeah, we, I got to win uh, two Grammys, one for Best Gospel Song, um, a song that I co-wrote with uh, Dewan Hill. Um, and then I got to win for Best Gospel Album of, because I produced it along with uh, Tommy Sims. So, yeah, I ended up getting a Dove Award and two Grammys out of it. And it was during a time that I, you know, supposedly walked away from music. So it's kind of ironic that I got, uh, I guess, the bucket list, you know, Grammy during a time where I wasn't even really uh, trying to do music. So it's kind of a, yeah, it's just ironic how that happened. And, and it's really, you think about it, I mean, God knew the desires that you had, because I'm sure when you were touring and doing all that stuff, you was like, you can see yourself performing on shows and winning awards and all that stuff. And then you walk away. And like you said, it was just like a total change for you to walk. And a lot of people, like you said, will think you're crazy because they're like, this guy's a budding artist. He's growing. He's got a following. He's got 
a buzz going out there and then he just walks away from it. And God still honored that because he, he gave you the inspiration and, and, and the, the tools to right. create something for your mom. So that that's pretty dope to be able to 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 do that. So, you know, that that's just God being God. You know, you, your plans, right. you know, your plans may have changed, but he always knew where you were supposed to go with this. So that's cool, man. Thanks for saying that. That's 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 encouraging perspective. And you're right. That was that was definitely a little bit of a, a wink i guess you can say from god that that he like you said he knows our heart and um especially when we put his kingdom first and we seek him first right. um takes care of the rest and uh i do i definitely count those grammys as uh a part of the rest that he's he's been gracious enough to add on um as I, you know, continue to try to keep him first and seek his kingdom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So, you know, you kind of touched upon the church part and, and how Nashville life sort of started where the seeds were planted. Um, and, and it kind of all came about with this trip to Australia a, a while back. Um, can you kind of talk about what part of that trip changed your life to where mm-hmm. you because you were always you've always been around church you always had a love for jesus but to where it was just a personal you know just being wrapped up personally to to focus and devote your life to 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 minister and just to to worship and praise where how did that take place in in this in this trip to australia yeah um i think it's just the all the factors wrapped into one that made it as impactful. Um, I personally was, you know, like you said, I did grow up in church. Um, I've, I've had periods where I believe my love for Jesus was, was active and alive. But uh, after college, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. And I was really uh, just consumed with myself and uh, my doubts and loneliness and just a lot of negative feelings in my soul. And uh, that was the place I was in when I moved to Australia. I, I, I moved. Australia wasn't the original plan. I just wanted to get out of Nashville. And, you know, having a large family and a connected family, there was just really no place I can think of that we didn't have a close friend or a pastor friend that would, you know, have somebody outside my my place to pick me up, take me to church on Sunday morning and a place that my parents couldn't be like, you know, I don't know, just everywhere from Chicago to L.A. to New York, um, Obviously, you know, Detroit, like just all the cities that I liked, um, I was just too connected and I wanted to go somewhere where I could be a little bit obscure and a little bit anonymous and, and just disconnected because I, I don't, I guess, I guess it's kind of a cliche thing, but maybe like a soul searching kind of trip. Yeah. And, uh, so Australia came out of, uh, out of the criteria of where do we not know people? <laughs> Where do we not know people that I can just not have to, I don't know. I just wanted to do my thing. Yeah. So 
Australia uh, and specifically Melbourne because we actually do know people in Sydney. So I didn't pick Sydney and I went to Melbourne. So it was a little bit of that. I was kind of trying to get away from the familiar things, not specifically God, but just all things familiar, including church. And I got invited to a church and I was hesitant to go, but I went because I, I didn't know anybody in that whole city. So I figured I would at least, um, and by the way, the person that invited me to church, um, we were out there years ago and the driver for my mom and us years ago was around my age. And I kept in touch with him on Facebook, I think. So I told him that I was coming. He was the only person that I knew. His name was Paul. They called him Wally. And he had a spare room at his place uh, with his roommates. So I moved in there and he invited me to church and really the sole credit, I think, to that trip being what it was, was Brahm and Diane Manusama. Uh, they're the pastors of Melbourne Life Church uh, in Melbourne, Australia. And uh, I met them after church and they are uh, very uh, zealous for God, very uh, zealous for his people very bold people, uh, passionate people, and uh, particularly prophetic people. I think they really have a gift of, of seeing past the surface. And when they met me, I had a big smile on my face, but they saw past the surface and could tell that my soul was, was in bad shape and actually told me that they saw that <laughs> while I was meeting them. Wow. At speed, I was shaking their hand and Diane kind of just like she does, just kind of went went for it and told me that she thought that God had entrusted uh, me with them. And I need to go to their discipleship class that they offer called DMS. And it was a nine month class. Um, my plan was only to stay for three months. And that was probably day four of my three month trip. And I went to the orientation for that class, which just happened to be the Sunday that I visited. The first day of the class after church was the day that I was there, which I thought was pretty, pretty uh, crazy. Wow. So that day I decided to commit to do this class, called my parents and said, I don't really know who these people are, but I feel like I'm <laughs> supposed to stay for this. And uh, so it was that church. It was those pastors. They really kind of took me in as almost like another kid um for them and uh i was i went through nine months of of pretty intense ministry and hard work and i confessed things i'd never confessed before and forgave people i never forgave before and just let the the ministry of the holy spirit really really do a lot in my life and um so yeah could it be that i was as in australia maybe could it have been that I was in that class. Cause like you said, I'm not new to church. I'm not new to the Bible, but there was something about this specific time and this specific ministry and these specific people that, that made it all click for me. And yeah. uh, that's what started everything. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, they miss those God moments, you know, and I think that's what it, it was for you. It was, it was being the right, it was a God ordained time for you to be where you were. So it wasn't an accident. It wasn't an accident. They met you after church. It wasn't an accident that the discipleship class started that day, because <laughs> right. if it probably would have been a few days later, you might've been like, uh, oh, I had a chance yep. to think about it. And it might not you're have done exactly it. Right. You know? And, and it missed. Exactly right. 
and missed out on that opportunity. So, I mean, I think it was just all God ordained. And it's the beautiful thing, you know, going through that boot camp, you know, kind of sort of kind of a kind of a ministry boot camp almost. Oh, exactly. They, I, it was they were sergeants and I was this little it was boot camp, man. They, it was rough, but it, I needed it. Yeah. But, you know, obviously it equipped you because then you come back. And, you know, to kind of fast forward a little bit, you come back and now you are starting, you know, you guys started Bible study and things inside of your parents' home, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're actually Mm -hmm. leading your peers, which is something that is very difficult to do, especially for young people is to lead your peers to Christ. So talk about that experience of doing baptisms in the pool out back and all that. Like, how was that whole thing, you know, kind of a grassroots approach to building the church? And I love it. I'm so grateful. I mean, I, I, I believe I'm grateful for all churches and I believe every story is, you know, inspired and awesome. But I'm really glad that our church happened the way that it did, because it is really the heart of our church. Our vision is following Jesus, building leaders. That's the vision of Nashville life. That's like the vision statement. And and that's my life. I was the lay person. I was the, I'm just a Christian. Who am I to lead somebody to Jesus? Who am I to open the Bible and speak? Who am I to baptize somebody? Like, I just thought I was just, you know, a guy who was saved and was, was going to heaven when he died. And that was good enough for me And to be led in a way where God was constantly drawing more out of me and and pushing me more and more out of my comfort zone and and elevating me um the more i submitted to him he would just you know share more and more of his uh influence and authority where i was doing things like i remember when we came back when i came back to nashville i was just sharing my testimony and that's something that anybody could do you don't have to be ordained or you don't have to be a pastor to share your story right uh, woman at the well she just shared her story after meeting jesus you know that's so you don't need credentials to do that right and that's all i was doing that's how all this started. i was telling my story what happened in australia and people started coming over to the house and people start this is this is my house before i moved to my parents house they started coming over and me and my roommate who had an encounter with jesus uh through this all this through this whole experience as well I had my roommate at the time, uh, they, people start coming over and I remember Skyping my pastors in Australia, literally asking like, are we allowed to do this? Like, we're just these dudes. Like I was like 24 at the time, 25. Um, I'm like, are we allowed to do this? Like we're, we're having these Bible studies and like, they're like, yes, absolutely. So the whole time, during that section, I was just always asking, like, can we do this? And then we got some up to our house and we were like, man, people are showing up and they're coming back and people are getting saved. People were getting healed. I would pray for people and they would get hit. And I'm like, are you really like, cause you know, growing up, I just thought that that was for those people, those yeah. people over there, that person, not, not anybody, you know? And then, like you said, baptizing people in the pool and just, the Lord was just inviting us to what now we're walking in now. And that's this authority and this, this uh, grace to, to lead people to him. So it was, it was, it was really exciting. Uh, It still is. It's still kind of surreal because you never really, 
see yourself as somebody, you know, um, or at least we don't. Yeah. And so whenever I'm up there to preach, I'm always like, I mean, it's been years and I'm still like, man, I can't believe, I can't believe God has allowed us to do this, you know? And um, so I'm really grateful for it because now I can talk to the person who just thinks of themselves as a church goer or just, uh, you know, a believer. And I take so much joy in, in really empowering the everyday Christian that you can, you've been called to do a lot more than you think, you know, and um, that's such a part of our story. And that's, that's, that's good. You said, you know, empowering the everyday Christian, because I think a lot of people do fall into that bucket. They're like, I can only, I'm limited to this, you know, and, and really with Christ, there's no limit to the power that you have. It's, it's just more so of you walking in that faith, knowing that you are called to do so much more. And so that, that's great that that was unlocked in, uh, from your perspective, because a lot of people would just look at it and say, he, he knows that, like you said, knows the Bible. He's been around, you know, gospel music you know his mom has been around the world singing and ministering to people through song you guys have visited so many churches so i mean you've been churched for so long but there comes a point in time where you know there has to have action there has to be action in that process and and winning souls and that is you know one of the main things that we're called to do as christians like i said with our testimony our testimony is is ours but that's what really that's authentic and that's what helps to draw people because they understand that you can come from any situation and be led to Christ and you can become a totally new person. So that's, that's great. Uh, and I'm glad that you guys have used that as, as the foundation of building the ministry, because I think that's very important for, especially nowadays, we need that. Um, yeah, I what I was going to say is, you know, obviously your parents started off as sort of the, the founding pastors of, of Nashville life. And then recently, you know, as I mentioned, you're now the lead pastor as of, January of this year, when did you realize that that was your assignment? Man, uh, good question. You're good at this, by the way, Ricky. <laughs> uh, great job. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I pretty early on, man. I think, I think our, I think if you look at the history of it. Me, what whether I knew I was going to be a pastor is maybe up in the air, but I was I, I have carried uh, the burden for uh, this ministry and these people who've come through my house and then my parents' house and now you know our church location from the beginning. From the very beginning, even before we were in Nashville life, I was working. I'm like, I told you, like I, I walked away from from a career in music because I was so invested. And I think uh, arguably in the beginning, even more invested than than my parents. And 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 they'll tell you that. And I think that's kind of cool. I'm grateful for that because my parents side plot um, side story. They, they've been getting prophecies since 95. They were oh. going to pass the church. Wow. And they never really, it never resonated with them. It was never a desire that they were aware of. It wasn't like, yes, thank you, God. It was like, nah, they might just be saying that because, you know, she's CC Winans or like, like you said, they come from a gospel family and, 
you know, they're well-known Christians. So maybe that's, they could, they kind of honestly at the beginning graciously maybe thought that maybe those people weren't hearing correctly. <laughs> but kept on happening. And different people every other year, just about for about 10, 15 years, if not more, they kept on hearing that you guys are going to pastor one day. So, um, so I say that because the story could have easily been my parents decide to start a church and they bring me and Ashley in the room and say, Hey, we want to start this church. And we would love for you guys to, you know, help us build the church and serve at the church. And that would have been cool. But honestly, it was the opposite. It was like me and Ashley, we were all excited because all of our friends were having these transformative experiences with God and, my parents, they, it was nowhere on their radar. My parents, the house, when our church started, um, our house was on the market. My parents are moving to the West Coast. They're moving to California to live on the beach and uh, just kind of live that kind of semi-retired life. Um, but the enthusiasm from, from me and my friends uh really compelled them and they believed that God was using us, me and my friends to let them know that the time was now to start a church. So I was always invested. And then the, I think the first week of our church, my dad, who never does this, by the way, said that the Lord um, spoke to him. I don't know if it was in a dream or if he woke him up. And again, that does my dad is not someone that frequently has those sort of, uh, testimonies so when yeah we were like man this we should probably take heed to whatever my dad wrote down and one of the second i think the second or third thing that he wrote down was that i was going to be the heir apparent to the church so that was that was that was from jump that was like day three of nashville life so even though i didn't become pastor until nine years in um my dad pretty much here publicly to everybody from day one um and to be honest it didn't seem it didn't seem off to me because like like i told you i was already invested i already had this ride or die kind of commitment to right. what was going on so it then it was just a matter of whenever dad thinks it's time is when i'll take it in the meantime i'll just serve under him and serve my parents and serve in whatever capacity um, I need, I'm needed. Um, so I've done everything from being over life groups to singing with the music team, to working with the media, to you name it, just wherever the, wherever there was a need. Um, I drove the shuttle back when our meeting was at the house and people parked at the elementary school around the corner. I drove the van. <laughs> so, so I just did whatever was needed, you know, because I was just, like I said, so invested. So, I think I've always known ever since Nashville life, I knew that my life would never be the same um, because of this church. Uh, and yeah, January of this year, nine years later, um, I am now lead pastor. And, and I, I think that that's a good way to look at it from, you know, when you were talking about all the stuff that you've done in the church up until becoming the lead pastor, it kind of just speaks to servant leadership. And and that is basically what you've been doing. You know, you haven't just been sitting in the back and 
you know, telling people what to do. You've been out there, you know, kind of on the front line doing things and helping to build uh, the ministry from the ground up. So that's important. Uh, you know, different areas of the ministry that, you know, you've because you've worked in different areas of the ministry. So you've got, you know, some feeling of things. And as a leader, that's important not to do people's jobs for them, but you understand some of the challenges that they may have because you've served in those places and to right. be able to help, you know, kind of guide from that perspective. So that's definitely pretty cool. Um, uh, one of the things that, and, and, you know, we kind of wrap up a little bit with, with this, but, you know, one of the main topics I want to talk about is really pastoring during the pandemic. And I know you, you've spoken about this before, but, you know, becoming the lead pastor, natural life church. And it was kind of like during right in the, in the height of the pandemic. I mean, we're still going through a little bit. But not only that, but being, you know, we had a kind of a very polarizing presidential election at the same time, Um, you know, and and what I love about the church is that you guys have, you know, it's a different mix of cultures and age groups, social economic backgrounds. It's really kind of what the kingdom church is supposed to be like, you know, everybody from all walks of life coming together. But. I know that there's also had to has to be some there had to be some um you know some some strife and some challenges during that time for the congregation. Um how oh, is yeah. that how has that been for you to kind of have that trial by fire or faith at the same time, you know, joining that kind of becoming the lead during this time? Oh well, uh it's been hard. It's been harder than I um anticipated specifically because our i mean i think it's been hard for everybody i don't think there's a single church that hasn't had a difficult time in one way or the other so i don't want to make it like we've we have an uncommon you know struggle but i think what has made us unique specifically is the the diversity of of our church um specifically with politics and race and socioeconomic background um with those things often come a a way of thinking and a perspective and those perspectives can be very uh competitive with the perspective of the kingdom and it's difficult to tell what is you and what is god and sometimes we think what is us is god and what's god is us Mm. and people's opinions end up becoming synonymous with their their identity in christ and that's that's tough when people have different opinions so now we've got this person who's in christ and this person who's in christ and both think that the other side is deceived and the devil and yeah (laughs) wrong and hateful and a sinner and and all that so man i've i've literally been in the middle of all of it um we've 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 had a lot of trials um again it's nothing that i think is uncommon but um yeah to come into that climate uh it was pretty interesting <laughs> yeah pretty interesting. uh we're still sort of in it we've we've lost people from both ends of the spectrum the uh you know people that you know wanted to hear more more social justice more black lives matter and kind of made that synonymous with the gospel so since we weren't speaking about black lives matter we weren't preaching the gospel 
So naturally, you're not going to stay at a church with someone who's not preaching the gospel. Here I am preaching death, literally death, resurrection, Jesus Christ. And they're going, you're not preaching the gospel. So, um, so we lost them. And then a few months later, you know, election, you know, if you weren't, if you weren't voting conservative, uh, you know, you weren't standing for the gospel. So even though I'm literally teaching about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, because I'm not speaking against the the left agenda that I'm not of God. And, you know, this church is, you know, so we, we've lost pretty both ends of the extreme, whether far left or far right. But uh, it's made the ones who are part of the church a lot tighter. Um, we've got a group of people that are really committed to, to us and to the vision of the church. Um, I still miss a lot of people. Um, not to mention the people that are just not around because of COVID or, or not. I don't even want to say it's not even COVID anymore. I think during the, during the lockdown, people lost their rhythm of coming to church. Yeah. And we still have a handful of people that it's not even concern over health anymore. I think it's just hard to get back on the horse when you've gotten off. And uh, so there's that, there's the political stuff. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's been, it's, it hasn't been for the faint at heart. I've been tested in a lot of ways. Um, and it's really been a major, yeah, test of endurance. And thankfully because of prayers of, of my parents and support from them, not to mention a handful of amazing pastors who have made themselves available that I totally take advantage of. I think I'm, I think I cause one of them every day, if not more times, more times than once a day. Uh, and if it, it's because it's because of the support system that I've been yeah. able to take the jabs and take the hits, take the rejection. Um, then there's the whole, you know, you're not your dad and we, you know, we're used to him and, you know, I'm a little bit younger. So, so it, I, I'm, I'm believing that I'll look back at this time of you know the 2020 2020 2022 period maybe the next couple those couple years as really refining times for me personally and for the ministry of Nashville life and honestly for the body of Christ I really think this is universal I think so I, too I think a pruning happening I think there's a refining happening uh there isn't a pastor I've talked to that hasn't echoed at least a degree of what I'm dealing with so I'm encouraged. It's hard and I don't enjoy a lot of the difficulty, but, um, you know, reading the Bible and hearing about trials and seeing the, what God was doing, I can't help but believe that, that uh, some amazing things are being developed um, for, for, for the glory of God and, and for my growth. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cliche as what they always say, you know, you can't have a testimony without the test. And I think, I think just what you have been experiencing, I, I know that, you know, others, I know my pastor, he's, you know, he, he talks about, you know, people leaving because certain things aren't discussed all the time, or, you know, if you're not standing on one side or the other, then, you know, it, it's deemed controversial or, you know, you're not standing up for your people or, you know, and I'm like, I'm telling you. At some point, me, you gotta, me, I'm sure pastor would have would have a lot in common the past year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, our church isn't 
as diverse, but obviously, you know, when, when you've got more, you know, from the African-American side that go to your church, you know, and, and, and a lot of the Black Lives Matter things, and, you know, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of emotion that takes place during that time. And it's like, hey, you know, yep. why are we not discussing these things? And they're, they're being discussed, but the biggest thing is, you know, taking it back and centering it around the, the message that's of Jesus. Exactly, and that's exactly right. And that's, and to me, unfortunately that that's centering it back to, to, to Jesus. Um, first of all, everyone has a different definition of what that is and what yeah. that should, should look. And the thing about it is, is whether it's an all black church, all white church, the reason why, everybody's been able to relate is because regardless of the racial demographic human beings we all have our own opinions mm-hmm. we all so even in a room full of black people you still got a, about 200 different perspectives and and opinions and personalities and same with white people if it's a room full of asian people you know everybody's different yeah so no matter what there's always this tug of war of 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 uh holding true to what you believe god is telling you to do and say versus what the people are telling you that you should and shouldn't say and that's one of the that's one of the struggles that pastors have to deal with um even going back to i was reading moses and the stuff that he was going through and that tension between obeying god and then kind of appeasing the the desires of the people that you're following and it's 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 tough but the good news is that it's not new no. uh it's it's not the i'm not the first person who's who's had this struggle um by a long shot um especially when i read it's encouraging when i read some, something as old as moses i was reading numbers 11 the other day and um, Moses talking to God, being like, man, these people, <laughs> they're driving me crazy. <laughs> I was like, I feel you, Moses. Yeah. But, but, but then you see God come through for him and you see great things still happen. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a part of me was like, man, why, why did you pick now for me to start this? And I think the most encouraging thing that I heard from a friend was that, God, God thought that you were the one for the job for this time. And that was convicting, but also really uh, humbling and honoring. So I'm just still just trusting that God, God knew what he was doing when he had me take it on this time uh, in the midst of everything that's going on. And I'm just trying to take it day by day, man. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think obviously you were you've been prepared for this and just to bring it back around we talked at the beginning you know you mentioned how your family and and growing up and dealing being able to deal with conflict in a healthy way and and being level-headed about it and having those crucial conversations and things like that prepared you for a time like this so all of that training the time in australia going through the boot camp all of those things you know prepared you for this it's still going to be challenging, but you've got the tool set to do it. And I think that's where when you're on assignment for God, that's how you know that you're in the right place. You no, know, no matter what, even Moses, like you said, dealt with, you know, like, look, these saying these people, you know, but understanding that that he had he had to take a chance and take the opportunity to vent, but then get back on assignment and do what he's got to do. Right. 
back on assignment. That's right. So I think a lot of people, they, they miss their blessing or miss their calling because they, they get off assignment and then they never get back on it. You know, they just give up and say, I'm, I'm, I don't have to deal with this. And so they're, they're never quite right. You know, in their lights, their lives are never quite right. Well said, man. Well said. You're right. I think that's been, that's been my last year and a half. I've had times to vent and to emote, but it always has to get back into, there's a job to do. There's people of all the people that are, are not wanting to follow. There's still the majority who do, and they need me and they need me to be in faith. They need me to be in prayer. They need me to be hearing from God. So, um, it's really been a good lesson for me learning how to stay, like you said, stay on assignment, stay faithful and not let the, uh, the outliers and the naysayers, uh, distract you, um, from, from what God is calling you to do. So I'm right in the thick of that, man. I'm right. I'm right in that. That's, that's, that's the best way to describe where I'm at. Okay. Well, just kind of, last thing and then we'll we'll close it down you know obviously you guys are continuing to grow and recently you purchased your first church home um, yeah man so how was that going what's what's kind of the updates on that process yeah it's so funny i actually left that part when i was listening all the, the difficulties uh social and political stuff i left out the building but yeah on top the icing on the cake is in the midst of all this we are in a transition location-wise and under a, a big construction renovation project. We took an old church uh, on 2639 Nonesville Pike, um, about a hundred years old church, and uh, are renovating it. And because of COVID and back orders and uh, demand and delays and a few yeah, of several little details and setbacks. We've been we've been uh trying to move into this place, man. And between codes and a few other factors, it's just been longer than than anticipated. And every pastor warned me and told me that it's going to be longer and more expensive than what they tell you. And you mm. hear that, but yeah. I think just that naive idealist in me is like, oh, it's going to just happen right on time, and we're going to get in. It's that, it's that childlike faith. Dude, that's right. <laughs> we we thought we were gonna be in December 2020, man. And needless oh. to say, not in it right now. So so we I feel like I've been saying this since March, but we are about six weeks away from getting in. We uh I think there's a there's a few few delays and pauses that that happen. Um and uh we we're good. We're, we're, we're moving in. We'll be in um, pretty soon. Uh, as soon as the date's out, we'll let everybody know. But uh, yes, we're very excited. It has been a little frustrating. Um, but yeah, so that is, we're really excited. And as soon as the word's out, we'll let you know. We'll let everybody know. And we're going to have a big old party probably for a couple months, honestly. Yeah, well, I'm excited. Uh, I'll definitely be there. So, you know, to, to join with you guys in the celebration, um, you know, I just want to end this and just say, you know, I, I thank you for, for taking time out to share this information, just share a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, I'm definitely proud of the journey that you've taken, how much you've grown and, you know, just continuing to 
to let the Lord lead you and, and just seeing where you're going uh, with this. You know, we've, we've got a lot of history, obviously, being family. And it's just it's not surprising to see you here. It's just, you know, it's kind of like one of those proud moments when you just sit back and like, man, you know, this is this is how, you know, God is working. I can see all the God moments, you know, throughout the time that I know that I've spent close to you. So, uh, you know, definitely proud. I love you, man. And I just, just keep going, you know, I'm going to keep praying for you and encouraging you. And, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm loving where the story is going and I know it's going to have great, a great ending. So just keep pushing, man. Keep, keep walking in the faith. I appreciate it, Ricky. And I admire you and seeing what's happening in your life and your family, big family. And, uh, I don't know, just, it's just crazy to see, how life, how life uh, takes us to, to like the people that we're going to be, you know, and to see you be a husband and father and so faithful in your church and your ministry. And now with this podcast, it's, it's really cool to watch and see. So I share that same uh, pride and respect. All right. Well, I, I thank you, sir. And, uh, you know, just we're going to stay in contact now. If people want to get in contact with you, with the church and, and be connected with the ministry, yeah. how would they do that? Uh, well, our website is NashvilleLifeChurch.com. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, we've got a podcast um, where all of our messages are on um, YouTube channel. So pretty much pretty much anywhere you can find our music's on Spotify and Apple music. So honestly type in Nashville life music or Nashville life church and you'll, you'll find all of it. And then I'm on Instagram. Okay. So you guys heard it. Nashville life. Look at, look for them on all the social media platforms. Pastor Alvin love the third lead pastor of Nashville life church. We thank you. Uh, God bless you. And we look forward to seeing the continued growth of your ministry, sir. Hey, Ricky. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up another episode of the Airflow Podcast. Once again, I just want to thank Pastor Alvin Love, the third lead pastor of Nashville Life Church, for joining today, um, sharing his journey, sharing a little bit of his testimony, and just, you know, being transparent about the things that he's been going through good and bad you know, experiences as a, as a pastor, his process of, of becoming a pastor. And, you know, I just really hope and pray that listeners had an opportunity to hear his heart and, and understand that his ministry, his gospel, his, his process and, and what he's doing as a pastor is, you know, teaching the love of Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, the gospel you know, is it's good news, but it's the good news of that Jesus loves you. And it, it sounds basic, but there's so much power in that, that that if you're not careful, you would bypass that because you start looking at differences. Pastor Alvin, I've listened to several of his sermons. He preaches very well. He's a teacher. And he's able to take take basic things and he can relate them into his message with Bible scriptures and things. So he's definitely a, a good a good teacher. He's a good pastor and he loves Christ. You know, he wasn't crazy when he turned his back on the music industry. He wasn't crazy when he you know, said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to follow Christ. I want to move to Australia. 
across the world, halfway across the globe, he moved and wound up being part of a discipleship course. And through that, discovered a deeper love for Christ. And this is a man that grew up in a home that I know personally, you know, they were not just churched, but they believed and they they spoke the word of God. It wasn't just an, an act. It wasn't just, you know, a show or something that they just did for people to, to like them. Pastors Alvin and CC love, they truly do love the Lord and they instilled that in their kids. And so you're seeing those things come up today as they have Pastor Alvin's there, you know, lead pastoring the church that they started that they were the founding pastors of. And it all came through a mixture of his journey and prophecies that they received. I mean, at, at one point, you know, I don't know if they still do it. The whole family, you know, even Ashley, you know, sister Ashley was, is, is, was leading and in, in giving the message on Sundays. See, people think that God always has to call the qualified he didn't always call the qualified and they're certainly qualified, but he calls the willing. And if you're willing and able, that scripture says you eat the best of the land. And again, that doesn't come without trials and tribulations. But what it also comes with is a guarantee that Christ will always be with you. He will always love you. He will always protect you. And so that's why it's important to understand, you know, there is a great love that Christ has for you. This episode is titled All for Love, and it's a play off of Pastor Alvin because his initials are A-L-L, and his last name obviously is Love, but he, he preaches the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's his, his, his foundation. And so when, you're, when you become a pastor and you take over as the lead pastor in the middle of an election and a pandemic where the country, the city... The church has been so divided. And you think, how is he going to, how is a new pastor going to handle this? A new young pastor going to handle this? And he's still here today pastoring. Why? Because God gave him the tools. He had already prepared him for this. Even when Pastor Alvin didn't know, he was already in pre being prepared for this, for this time. So your 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 preparation, your journey may not be to pastor a church. It could be for a certain job. It can be for your family. It can be anything. But you have to keep going. You have to keep living. You have to keep making sure that that relationship with Christ is right. And if you're doing that, then I guarantee you, you will. You will succeed. You will have joy. You will have peace and you will know God's love. And knowing God's love is the greatest thing ever. You will never feel lonely when you have God's love. And I mean that no matter how many people you have in your life, how many people you don't have in your life, no matter how many relationships you have, you know, you'll start seeing things differently. And you'll have a peace about you. And that peace is the love of God. So, you know, again, I'm going to step off my spiritual soapbox and you know, just try to wrap this up. Uh, but again, I just think Pastor Alvin, he, he really shared a lot and just, you know, 
meditating on that throughout this podcast, you know, just some of the things that he experienced. It just helped to encourage me, you know, just to keep going. Don't worry about the things that I had planned for myself and just make sure that I'm focusing on what he has planned for me. And he'll reveal it. Trust me. God will reveal it. It may not be when you want it to be revealed, but he's going to reveal it. So you just got to be ready and be willing and be open. So, again, uh, as Pastor Alvin said, you can follow him on all social media, Nashville Life Church uh, website is also there. Um, you know, if you want information about the ministry or anything like that, uh, please, please feel free to reach out to him. I also have the links in the description uh, for those that are interested in in checking out the ministry. Um, they do have messages online as well when um, they are in person. So, you know, feel free to, to reach out if you're in the Nashville area and you're looking for a church home and, you know, sounds like this is a place that you want to go. You know, definitely. Nashville Life Church is a great church and I'm sure they would definitely open you with open arms. As always, you know, as we come to the, the, the ending point of the podcast episode, I always like to remind people that you know, if you are a believer, if you know that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross for our, for us and for our sins and he was resurrected. If we know that, then we know that we are heirs of the kingdom. And as heirs of the kingdom, we were created to flow in the blessings that that was promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We are all inheritors of those blessings. So understanding that. Know that, continue to build that relationship with Christ and continue to just get up each day and move yourself 1% closer to him. And you will see that you are flowing in what you were created to be and created to do. Again, I'm Ricky Thomas. Thank you all for listening. God bless you and see you next time.